Very quickly, I want to thank all those who are helping to lead worship this morning, particularly Tim, John, Yasko, all the liturgists, and all those who came very early this morning to help with all this audio setup. We thank you so much for bringing your gifts and your service today. I understand there is a series going on right now about children's stories, but when Vince asked me what I would be interested in uh, preaching on today, he also mentioned the possibility of you could do something around Labor Day weekend if you wanted, since it's going to be Labor Day weekend. And uh, if you'll permit me uh, a brief break from that sermon series, I wanted to take a moment today to give you an invitation to rest. Sit back. Relax the tension in your body and for a moment let the worries of tomorrow or this week or this quarter or this semester fade. This is an invitation to do something that the world very seldom ever allows us to do and that is come and rest a while. Be still and rest. In the gospel story we heard today, Jesus is attempting a moment of rest. He has just given a series of parables to the crowds beside the sea. I imagine that he has probably talked there for some time, possibly most of the day, to the many that have gathered to hear his wisdom. But eventually, at last, the evening comes, and Jesus is tired. And he says to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. Presumably they're going to another part of the beach side, a place that's going to have fewer people. It's going to be quiet and peaceful. It's a place where they all can rest after a very long day. Rest is something Jesus takes time for in other parts of the Gospels as well. In Matthew 14, just after he has fed the 5,000, he dismisses the crowds and then goes up to a mountainside and prays by himself. And then later in Mark, in Mark 7, it is said that Jesus entered a house in the vicinity of Tyre, and he didn't want anyone to know he was there. In true Markin Jesus fashion, this is a Jesus who is a little exhausted by people and exhausted by crowds and would rather spend a lot of his time in privacy or at least just by himself with his closest followers. So this break from engaging with the crowds is also a form of rest. And that might be one of the most intensely relatable things that Jesus ever does. It's the moments when he is done with his work, when he lets out a big sigh and says, you know what, I'm tired and I'm going to go take a nap. This Jesus, the Jesus of rest, of solitude, of quiet, is the Jesus that we meet in the boat in today's passage. But inevitably, his rest is interrupted. A big storm comes, rocks the disciples in the water, and they get nervous, and they wake Jesus up, and they implore him to do something about it. Don't you care about the predicament we're in, Jesus? Won't you do something, Jesus? Well, I imagine in the moment he woke up, he was very cranky, probably a little groggy, probably not fully awake. And he does what they ask. He calms the sea and then acts very annoyed that they did not believe strongly enough that they were safe. Jesus has lost his moment of rest and is well, understandably irritated. See, even for Jesus, rest was elusive. It was hard to find and even harder to completely follow through on. The demands of his responsibilities and the baggage of his growing celebrity frequently prevented him from having time to himself, yet he treasured time to himself. And I believe this passage in Mark mirrors our own attempts to find rest, a practice that is seriously devalued in our day. Ours is a culture of grind 
of prioritizing work above any other aspect of our lives, of working long hours without due compensation, of pouring all of our energy, all of our stamina into completing tasks, often not for ourselves, but for those we work for. Ours is a culture of hustling until you make it, whatever making it means for you. Ours is a culture in which human life and human capacity for labor is subject to the demands of endless productivity and infinite growth. We are a fundamentally restless people. Now, as it happens, tomorrow is Labor Day. And I think Labor Day is an occasion for us to reflect on our relationship to work and to rest. Now, sure, Labor Day is not a Christian holiday. It was instituted in the late 19th century as a celebration of laborers and workers' rights movements, and it was made a national holiday in 1894 after many communities and states were already having parades and picnics and celebrations on the first Monday of September. So typically that has meant Labor Day is a day for a kind of rest. It's a rest of celebration. Festivities in which people are not working, spending quality time with families and communities in this backdrop, this commemoration of American workers by giving them a break. But as I am sure you know, Labor Day is not really a day of rest right now. There are a lot of businesses and corporate chains that will keep their doors open tomorrow. Some will have reduced hours, but others are going to be having an otherwise normal day of operations. A lot of employees who work who deserve a day off will still go to their jobs, and they will still get paid too little for too much work. And while some of us will get a day off, we will get a day of rest, rest is still not valuable enough in our culture for everyone to receive it. It is a privilege that not everyone has. So if only we had some practice, some regularly instituted pattern of rest in our lives, oh, but we do. We in the Christian tradition have Sabbath. And Labor Day, I think, is an appropriate time to think about the practice of taking Sabbath. Sabbath is a word that has taken on many confusing layers of meaning in American Christianity. It's the subject of the fourth commandment given by God to Israel in Exodus, and so those of us who've grown up going to Sunday school probably first encountered the word Sabbath in that context. And we probably learned about it as a special day that people set aside for God, for our culture that is usually Sunday. But then there's all those ways that Sabbath is promoted historically in this country in the form of blue laws. These are things like certain items like alcoholic beverages not being uh, allowed to be sold on Sundays because that's the day for God. And that usually means a day of thou shalt nots uh, typically. Um, and so it's often usually a time of when like there are things you can't do. There are things that are not allowed on a day of Sabbath. And then there's this more individualized idea of taking Sabbath. That idea that you find time in your own schedule to make regular moments of rest. In my experience, this kind of Sabbath taking comes up a lot in seminary circles. I've had lots of conversations with classmates about when is your Sabbath? When do you take time for yourself? What is your day or your time of the day when you are not doing any work for anyone? Last year, Friday was my Sabbath day because it was the only day of the week when I was not in class, I was not doing homework, and I was not at either of my part-time jobs, so it was for me. It was a day where I wouldn't worry about writing papers or submitting discussion posts or needing to be on for my job. It was a day where I could simply rest. I could structure a day around reflection, quiet, and stillness, and not around productivity. I could just be. I could remember who I am, 
who God is on a day of rest. Now, there are a lot of hurdles to implementing a Sabbath time into your routine. Our responsibilities can overwhelm our schedules to the point that no one day seems like it could truly be a day just for me, a day just for rest. If it's not one thing, it's another, right? If you're a parent, for example, it's fair to wonder if rest is possible for you at all. And no one person's individual efforts to block out a moment in their week could possibly undo the culture of endless productivity and overwork that we are surrounded in. It's really great to imagine the idea of a Sabbath time, but very difficult to make real. Even Jesus Christ found it hard to rest without being interrupted by the demands of the world. But it is a worthy practice to pursue. The great Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann talked about this idea of Sabbath as both resistance and alternative. He said, it is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by the production and consumption of commodity goods. Such an act of resistance requires enormous intentionality and communal reinforcement amid the barrage of seductive pressures from the insatiable insistences of the market. It is resistance. And he goes on to say, the alternative that Sabbath offers is the awareness and practice of the claim that we are situated on the receiving end of the gifts of God. To turn toward the awareness of God's grace in our midst, even for a moment, is fundamentally antithetical to the demands of endless productivity. Sabbath is not just a time in our calendar to write rest or time for me or nothing at all. It is a radical way of seeing the world and its people. Sabbath is the reminder that God's creation is holy and sacred and does not require us to labor in it or against it for our lives to have worth. Sabbath is the insistence that we are not our work, that we are not just output. We are intrinsically loved and we receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ without needing to prove our value or our place in the kingdom of God. There are a lot of ways that we can observe Sabbath and reprioritize the practice of rest. Some of us may be able to make room in our lives for quiet reflection and intentional stillness. If it can't be a whole day, make it a time of day. And if it can't be that, make it an hour. And if not that, well, it, it's hard. And don't beat yourself up for not knowing immediately where Sabbath has a place in your life. I know that many of us, myself included, will have the opportunity to rest tomorrow, and I encourage you to make it a legitimate day off in all the ways that you can. Hold off on working on that one project or that one task that can be saved for another day. Give the workers who still have to go to their jobs a reprieve from having to serve you. And perhaps just take a moment to sit and rest. Resist the anxious urgency of daily living and rest in the all-consuming grace of the God that loves you without condition. Come and rest a while. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, may it be so. Amen.